This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, Professor of Sport Management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. On today's podcast, I am joined by veteran PA announcer and sports radio talk show host, Jim Shovlin. For over the past 15 years, Jim has called the biggest high school, college, and professional games in Fort Wayne, while also hosting his weekly talk show, Talking Sports with Jim Shovlin. In this episode, Jim talks about his preparation for PA announcing and his show, how great announcers speak from the chest, and how creating goofy character sounds during a baseball game landed him his first radio gig. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, joining us on the Trine Center for Sports Studies podcast today, we have the great Jim Shovlin. If you're from Northeast Indiana, that name is certainly going to ring a bell with you. Um, PA host, radio host extraordinaire. Jim, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Brandon. It's great to join you. Well, I, I'm excited to have you here. Obviously, I get to work with you every week, and that's been a lot of fun. We've been doing that for uh, the past few months with 1380 ESPN uh, the fan here in Fort Wayne. Uh, but today I wanted to bring you on because we do have some students who are interested in getting into a, a career in public address announcing, um, in, in radio. So you would be the perfect person to talk about all of this stuff. And I just kind of want to start off first because you've had a career in radio and you've been doing PA, I know, for for over a decade. So just tell us about your background in, in sports radio and in, in PA work, how you got started and, and what you're doing now. It all started, well, accidentally. Uh, I happened to play adult baseball with the general manager of Federated Media, Tony Richards. And um, we were actually practicing one day on a Saturday out at Shove Park and just hit batting practice and what have you. I'd catch a ball in the outfield, I'd throw it in, and i do character voices. I've got about a thousand, but only one of them's good, you know, but, uh, you know, and so I, I'd, I'd make a, a certain dialect or a certain voices. I'd throw the ball into him. And then same thing with him when he'd field one, he'd do a voice. And anyway, at the end of practice, he, he just kind of made the remark and this will tell you how long ago this was. He said, we've got to get you on tape. I thought, oh, I guess. Right. And that was a, a Saturday afternoon, so, uh, Monday morning, eight Oh five, my phone rings. And it's Tony. He says, get in here. He says, we want to put you on tape. And I thought, you were serious. Okay. So I went out to Federated Media on Maples Road and and uh, got with Steve Brelsford. And, uh, you know, we we did some of my character voices. And then, uh, gosh, it was just a, a couple of days later, I got a call from them that they said, hey, come on in. We want to talk about you doing some call-in bits for WMEE and the Charlie Butcher Morning Show. Now, Charlie Butcher's been a radio icon uh, in this community and through the, throughout the state of Indiana uh, for many, many years and uh, passed away in, in 2018. So anyway, we talked about it and we did this a uh, couple of bits that I would write and then phone in. And, uh, you know, I got all of $10 uh, an appearance <laughs> for that. So, you know, but I took it. I said, hey, I don't care what you pay me. I'm on the radio. This is yeah. great. So uh, having no formal training up to that time, I got started. Then they called me in, oh, I don't know, a few weeks later and said, hey, 
we're adding someone to the morning show. Would you would you be interested? And I said, sure. And they go, well, we've got a couple other candidates, too. And I'll come to find out they didn't have any other candidates. They just went through the process. And so I started. I Now, I was actually working full time with city utilities in the okay. water industry. And uh, for, from that point in time, I was uh, the night operator at the St. Joe Dam, which yeah, pretty much meant that I struggled to stay awake all night and just sat there and watched the pumps do their jobs. And so uh, I get off at six in the morning and head out to Federated Media, get there by 6.15 and start my day with the morning show as to what they had me do. And that was either giving away CDs or tickets to a concert or doing dumb and goofy stunts. And uh, just for the listeners, and of course, uh, I, I didn't have the nerves or anything like that because Charlie used to say that, you know, he was uh, broadcasting to his seven loyal listeners. Well, <laughs> you know, not to not to realize that there were, you know, 30,000 listening. So, uh-huh. uh, but, you know, I got started that way. And then, of course, um, became a, uh, a full-time employee of Federated Media when the general manager saw me in the hall one morning and says, hey, have you ever thought about a sales job? No way. I've never done sales. He said, well, I think you'd be good at it. And he said, if, and I said, I have no training. And he said, you don't need, we'll, we'll train you. So he did. I, uh, I left my job at City Utilities and embarked on a sales career that I'm still doing to this day, 23 years later. Through that, and that was with uh, News Talk 1190 Whoa Whoa Radio. And uh, I sold there for five years. That was um, quite an experience and taught me mm-hmm. how to sell, how to listen. And, and I had some great mentors along the way. So they also knew that I was quite the sports geek. So they had a show on WoWo every night from six to seven. It was called Sports Talk. And uh, it was Art Salzberg and Dean Pantazzi. Dean Pantazzi was a sports director at uh, WPTA at the time. Art Salzberg had been a WPTA, but he was in sales with WoWo as well. And uh, they'd been going at it since 19, gosh, 1985. Here we are between 15 and 20 years into the program. So they were taking time off at, at such time. So they asked me to fill in from time to time. And I was scared to death because I, I grew up listening to this show and why and, you know, listening and, and just banking on every word they said. And so uh, with that, I, I was able to be part of that show and that was quite a thrill. And then it just kind of went from there. Um, I was asked to sub in more and more. And then they actually, uh, when Dean Pantazzi left, they asked me to replace him. So that was my start in broadcast radio uh, with sports uh, radio. And my gosh, um, I, you know, I wish I would have had formal training. Oh my goodness. I wish I did, <laughs> but, but I didn't. And uh, I just, I made it work. I, you know, the old, I never had one lesson. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but then just to look back, you know, I, I had so many people that were mentors at the time that that would answer my dumb questions that I had because I wanted to be good. And I knew that I wasn't at the time. So I wanted to be better each time I opened up a mic. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. But uh, but that was my start in radio broadcast. My public address career started kind of from those beginnings, because then my name got out there a little bit as being one of the co-hosts of Sports Talk. And I also then, by that time, had worked, uh, was working full-time in the sporting goods industry at 
sports center in the village of Coventry. And they handled high school team apparel, spirit wear, whether it was high school, collegiate, some of the pro teams would come in. And uh, Joe Updegrove, the Homestead High School athletic director, came in one day and said, you do broadcast, don't you? Go, yeah, yeah. And he, he said, you ever done PA? And I said, I have not. And he said, well, we're looking for a PA announcer for our girls' basketball team. He said, you want to give it a try? And I said, sure, yeah. Because I got off work at 6, and they'd start games about 6.30. And yeah, yeah, sure, I can do that. So um, I did, uh, well, my, my very first PA game was JV girls basketball at Homestead and uh, and then the varsity one that followed but I did a, a couple of those and then he came back and asked me he said you want to do boys too <laughs> so I said once again sure I have trouble yeah. saying no but uh, <laughs> I did that for a while and then uh, uh, caught the attention of University of St. Francis and they asked me then to uh, do PA for some of their basketball, uh, men's and women's basketball. And uh, so I did that, uh, went from high school to college. And, um, and it was about, you know, maybe one season into the basketball, the athletic director came around and asked me if I wanted to do, you know, Cougar football. Sure, sure. Brandon, I'd never done football in my life. And <laughs> didn't know how to or anything. But here I was. I was the PA announcer for the St. Francis Cougars. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm still doing it. And it's been 14 seasons. So uh, they, they tolerated me at first. But, uh, but that's, uh, that's what I've done. And then uh, got to know people throughout the sports uh, industry, locally especially. I started, you know, uh, doing other things as well. So um, that was, those were kind of my beginnings, if you will, of uh, – mm-hmm of broadcasting and, and public address. Amazing how all that started off just by making goofy sounds playing <laughs> baseball. Yes. Right? yes. And, and just, you know, we talk about this with students quite a bit. When those opportunities come, say yes. And you may not be qualified, but, you know, hey, it's, it's going to give you a chance to, to figure it out. And what was that learning curve like for you? Both, you know, we can say radio and PA, probably starting with radio, you know, getting in there and not knowing nothing. And maybe that works, maybe to your point, that worked as an advantage. Like, I don't know, I'm supposed to be nervous. Um, So how did you learn to, you know, kind of hone and refine your craft there a little bit? I was kind of mentored early on uh, by Chris Didier, who was the music director for WMEE when I came on the morning show. And, you know, he told me something that lives with me today. He said, you know, I listened to you this morning, he said, and you sounded kind of monotone. He said, you have to project from the chest. You have to project from the chest. And so I did, and I learned that. And from then on, it was great. And he would he would kind of listen and critique, and uh, but he always had something positive to, to throw in there as well that kept me going. He was a big influence on me as far as how to speak properly i guess in there i still have uh the uh well right there the uhs and uh ums and things of this nature that still populate my my verbiage but then i'll listen to other broadcasters and eh, they do some of the same as well 
Do you have to do the same thing? Are you kind of conscious of that when you're doing PA work? Like, does your inflection change with your voice? Are you a little bit more maybe aggressive on the mic? Like, how do you kind of attack game day? Well, as far as being on the mic, I have to command those in the arena or stadium's attention. And so I have to talk, once again, from the diaphragm, Mm -hmm. from the chest, and uh, and project so that they hear this important announcement, whether that's who the ball carrier was, who made the basket, uh, what time the fish fry is, you know, on Friday night, (laughs) things like this. Uh, So, you know, you you have to – you have to command their attention early. So on game day, and I've gotten a little bit behind the scenes on this with you, just talking through you, how do you prepare? Because you've done high school sports, you've done college sports. I mean, you were the Mad Ants PA voice for a number of years when they were in Fort Wayne. So what's kind of like a normal game day look for you as you're preparing to do your PA work? Well, I, you know, obviously – Preseason, I like to. I, I need to know the home teams' names and pronunciations, and that is so important to get the pronunciations proper. You know, um, Giannis Antetokounmpo had brothers in the NBA G League. You know, even uh, as he was arriving on the scene, and when you first see the name Antetokounmpo, there there are several different ways it can go. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> But it was, uh, you know, that's that's one of the big things. And if I'm doing a game, regardless of the sport, I'll try to get a hold of the visitors roster, maybe a day or two in in advance, and just kind of take a look and see if there are any testers as far as the the players, even the coaching staff, for that matter, just in case uh, that's necessary. But I, I try to do a little bit of prep. See, let's say if it's in basketball uh, for the G League, in fact. Uh, I would always check and see who's their leading rebounder, you know, who's their leading scorer, who, you know, who commits the most fouls, uh, and just and just get to know that name and number. And uh, you, you're not always going to commit that to memory, but you know, still, at least with the home team, if you can memorize name, number, and pronunciation, that's that's great. But you want to maybe get started a little bit before that. Now, game day. Uh, I should be ready by that time. And I just know that I've got all, I I don't really need any notes, but I've come up with, let's say in basketball, I've come up with my own score sheet that I would use where I would already have the home team typed. And of course, in the NBA G League, there was a lot of movement. So even the home team, even the, let's say at the time, the Mad Ants, we had a lot of uh, roster changes, ads, deletes, and and such. So, uh, but then the opponents would send their, uh, information, their media kit to you know, the opposing team. Oh, usually three, four days in, in front of the game. And I would get a hold of one of those and kind of take a look around, but, but you, you can, you know, you can't be too prepared regardless. You can't just walk in, sit at you. I guess you could, but are you going to give it <laughs> your best effort that way? Probably not. So, you know, and if, if someone gives you the incorrect information and you say it, well, you're the idiot, not the person that gave it to you. They're, they're there in the shadows somewhere. You are putting yourself out there. But that, that's the big thing, you know, just to prepare, look over rosters and, and know the rules of the sport you're doing as well. Yeah, I imagine that's got to be a big piece. You actually have to know something about the sport that you're actually announcing. 
And how do you kind of strike that balance between giving people the information they need to know? So we'll say, for example, for, for football, okay, number 12 carries the balls, tackled by number 59, and not trying to be a play-by-play guy. Like, is there kind of a balance mm-hmm. there on things like, hey, this is what we kind of do. And then some of these other things, you know, we don't necessarily need to talk about every single thing that happened on the play. Right. Yeah. I, I've never done commentary like, you know, that outstanding run was made by number one, Kim yep. Peterson, tackled by number two, you know, Joe Smith. Now, you know, basically the home team will have the ball, you know, first and 10 on their own. 29 yard line or something like that. You know, that's, that's all the information I'll give. I won't uh, embellish things like that. Now I might get a little more excited for the home team or, I mean, just to be honest, you know, whoever's signing my paycheck is, uh, is, is who's going to get just a little bit extra. Now, ironically, I had a uh, high school playoff game, a regional championship game I did recently. And it was between Leo and Bishop Gwenger. Ironically, I went to Bishop DeWanger, used to coach baseball at Bishop DeWanger. Now I coach baseball at Lures or at Leo. And, uh, and if, you know, I have my stepkids that, that go there as well. So, you know, I was kind of, uh, I had to remain neutral because in the IHSAA playoffs, you must remain neutral regardless of where the venue's at, you know, and who the home team is. So um, I, I was hoping that I, I would do that. And I, I feel like I did. Just try to remain neutral and give out the information. Give the people in the in the stands what they want, who the ball carrier was, who the tackler was, you know, maybe what the down and distance is. And at the end of each quarter, uh, some do, some don't, but I give the score. I got to imagine you're kind of like an offensive lineman in a way. If nobody says your name or talks about you after the game, you probably did a pretty good job That's exactly uh, on right. the mic. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, unless uh, I'm, you know, a PA announcer is too bombastic or wants to be too much of a part of the game. Yeah. Then you'll hear about it. So as you think back in your career, I mean, you just talked about one that was pretty memorable, but what have been some of your favorite memories, both as a PA announcer and on the radio? I guess some of the funnier moments. um, Well, let's see the, probably one of the first ones in baseball. I was the PA announcer for the Fort Wayne wizards for four seasons. And uh, eventually then when they became the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, I was the PA announcer for the Fort Wayne Tin Caps for just a couple of months because then uh, Wolwo Radio offered me the sports director's position when uh, the legendary Bob Chase retired. And um, Bob hand-selected me to succeed him, which was uh, one of my biggest thrills in, in, in my life. Uh, to be you know, to succeed Bob Chase, the legend. But um, but anyway, I, I was doing PA for the Wizards, and it was my oh maybe my second game, and they were playing West Michigan, and I was looking at the roster, and of course going over pronunciations, and there was a relief pitcher for West Michigan. Uh, his last name was De La Cruz, which you know fairly common, but his first name was E U G. L-I-O, E-U-G-L-I-O. And the West Michigan radio play-by-play guy said, it's pronounced E-U-L-O-H-I-O. Okay, E-U-L-O-H-I-O. Okay, okay, got it, got it. And sure enough, in, in that game, in about the sixth inning, he gets up in the bullpen to throw, you know. And then he's quickly followed by another guy, uh, another, you know, a, a guy with a, a lefty. And um, so anyway, 
it's like they make the call to the bullpen. Pitcher comes in, does his warm-ups, you know, coming out of the West Michigan bullpen, number 17, Iulogio de la Cruz. I nailed it. I nailed it. <laughs> that was all great and everything. I happened to look in the uh, newspaper the next morning, saw the box score. Yeah, the relief pitcher was Keenan Rons. He was the other guy that was warming up in the bullpen. So, <laughs> so I, I was so worried about goofing up the pronunciation. I got the complete wrong one. So, you know, that was one of them. You know, just some other, I mean, some antics, uh, things. Uh, we, we had a guy that was, you know, we at the Memorial Stadium location, we had a dot matrix, you know, video board. And so we needed someone to run that as well as, uh, so we had three guys in there, myself as PA announcer. We had a, a music guy that played all the music and then our dot matrix guy. Dot matrix guy was very quiet. And the music guy was, he and I got along pretty well. And so... All of a sudden, toward the end of the season, I get a post-it note, and Tony was the name of the guy that was uh, the music guy, and he get I get this note on a post-it note from the Dot Matrix dude. I look at it, and it says, I have zip-tied Tony to his chair. He doesn't know it. I look over there, and sure enough, his belt loops are zip-tied to his <laughs> chair, unbeknownst to either one of us that, that this had happened. And of course, then uh, a couple innings later, when Tony tried to get up, the chair came with him, and uh, it just—you know—it was uh, probably one of the loudest, funniest things ever. But oh yeah, yeah. Um, in basketball, I was doing uh, color for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants with the great Bill Hazen, who had done games. Uh, he did the Chicago Bulls radio broadcast when Michael Jordan was a rookie. And uh, wow. so I'm, I'm with the bill at the Coliseum and we're getting ready to start the game and down swoops a bat from the rafters of the Coliseum and all 10 players were on the floor ready for the tip and all 10 players scattered like there was a swarm of bees or something. But uh, that was funny. And then, of course, Bill and I did some commentary on it at the time about, you know, <laughs> Matt Ant came out and thought he had it and, uh, uh, in a net and he didn't and uh, it was uh, it is on YouTube as well Matt and bat game so uh, you know that was that was rather uh, unique and uh, kind of funny as well but yeah there have been so many other times I, I've had the great fortune to uh, PA the NBA preseason game of the Indiana Pacers against the Charlotte Hornets at the Coliseum and that wow. was that was my first professional game prior to me starting with the Mad Ants full-time. And, uh, you know, that that game itself sold out in, gosh, probably about 20 minutes, I think it was, when uh, when they had tickets available. And, uh, and ironically there, I had to get pronunciations from both teams because it was preseason and they still had a lot of players that mm-hmm. never heard of. And Charlotte had a lot of uh, European players as well. And so I looked over and I thought, I got to get these Charlotte pronunciations. So I look over and there's one coach sitting on the bench. And so I thought, well, I got to do it. I got to ask him. So I walk over to the Charlotte bench. And it's Patrick Ewing. Wow. <laughs> so I said, uh, hey, Patrick, I'm doing PA. Can you help me with these pronunciations? And he goes, well, I'll try. And so we, he listed the, all the players that weren't there or weren't playing that night. And, uh, we were able to, you know, slowly discern, okay, it wasn't all that bad, but most of the guys that uh, had uh, difficult pronunciations weren't going to be on the court that night. So 
but I got to talk to Patrick Ewing. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the cool part about sport. I mean, there's not many probably opportunities when you were working at the dam that Patrick Ewing was going to come in the office and you guys <laughs> were going to be chatting, right? Um, and that, you know, that's just kind of one of the benefits. And, you know, we, and we've talked about that too, but, you know, thinking about today now, you know, you, you've been in radio. I mean, you talked about doing a tape, you know, a long time ago, you know, media has changed so much. Radio has changed. It feels like, you know, there's, there's much more emphasis on digital. How has sport media changed with the new technology? Um, I don't know necessarily from the PA state point of view, but as you think about radio, um, how have you seen those changes kind of take place over the years and, and how are they affecting the, the industry? Maybe either good or bad. Great question. Social media obviously has made it uh, much, much easier to get information uh, for content. However, there has to be several different layers of, of uh, verification uh, that goes with that as well. Because as you know, all you got to do is misspeak one time and the avalanche uh, begins. Yep. But, uh, you know, but, well, I, I mentioned this uh, sports talk radio program that was on Whoa, Art Salzburg had a deal worked out and he was a tremendous salesperson anyway, but he had a deal worked out with uh, his, his bosses that he would go and have his lunch at the public library where he would read the newspapers of all, you know, all the regional big printed newspapers, the Chicago Tribune, Indianapolis Star, Detroit Free Press, you know, Cincinnati Inquirer, uh, in addition to both of our newspapers, and get regional information each and every day. He didn't have the ability to just go to Twitter or, or you know, wherever he wanted to go to a pigs.com or something like that and get his information. And uh, so... You know, that's uh, social media has made it so much easier. You know, and at the time, Brandon, when when I started talking sports, it was actually I was working at Sports Center. A gentleman came in from a radio station in Bluffton, Indiana, WNUY. His name was Scott Menser. He came in and uh, tried to we wanted to sell our bosses some some radio advertising. And I said, well, probably not going to happen. And he took my card and said, oh, are you, are you the guy that was on? Well, well, sports talk. It's sure. He said, uh, well, I'd like to start a sports show and, and be local in, in content. And I said, okay. He said, would you do it? And I said, well, I don't know much about Bluffton, Indiana sports. Mm -hmm. to tell you the truth. He says, oh, no, no, I want to market to Fort Wayne. I said, well, let's talk. Yeah. You know, because I've been a, oh my gosh, I've been a sports nut since I, as long as I can remember and I'm pretty old. So <laughs> uh, we talked and uh, it was one of those cases where, yeah, okay, and I was driving you know, 70 miles round trip for a one-hour show down in Bluffton, but, but I loved doing it. And so that, that spawned Talking Sports. He said, the content will be yours. The, you know, I said, what are we going to call it? He said, that's up to you. So I took Sports Talk and just reversed it. And, and at the time, though, there was nothing on the radio that was local in nature. There, there was, you know, ESPN radio or, you know, whatever it was. I think it was the game maybe by that time. But uh, there wasn't anything local other than your newscasts at 6 and 11 that gave you about two minutes of the world of sports. And so at the time, Ken Horman used to have a, a show called Sports Wise. 
and uh, that left the air. And so there was nothing going on that pertained to local sports. And I always thought, and that was back in the days, and, and I, I hope maybe some people remember the name Deshaun Thomas. He was the parade All-American basketball player mm-hmm. at Bishop Lewis High School. And, I mean, he was so well-coveted. He had a press conference in his middle school to announce his high school choosing, you know. And so, uh, but he was, he was phenomenal. You know, all the state championships they won with Deshaun. But they were more than just Deshaun. They were, you know, Lawrence Barnett and, and the Sword Kid. There were other players that were good who would have gotten notoriety had they not played aside Deshaun Thomas, who, my goodness, everybody wanted to know what his exploits were, and he'd give them highlights every every single game. And so he was very worthy of it, but then so were the other guys on the team. But And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to highlight the, maybe the second leading scorer, maybe the, the, you know, the lunch pail guy that goes out and works hard. And, uh, you know, those were the, the people. I wanted to name some names of, of high school and collegiate athletes that were doing uh, extremely, uh, you know, amazing things and going above and beyond. I wanted to make sure that they got their due, especially that those and also, you know, coaches, staff, the volunteer assistants, those people. I wanted to make sure that they got the recognition that they so richly deserved but weren't getting. And that's not why they would have done it. But I still wanted to recognize those people for doing what they do because they are the ones, a lot of times in, from the coaching realm, that sustain these sports that we're able to play. Well, I think that's what's so much fun about you know co-hosting or producing um, Talking Sports with you on Saturday morning. So people can tune in AM 1380 here in Fort Wayne or uh, 1380thefan.com uh, worldwide is that with your knowledge of local sport, you're able not just to, to give the scores and the results, but you're able to kind of drill down and talk about the people who are involved in things, <clears throat> excuse me, and with, you know, such a great local sports flavor here in Northeast Indiana. I mean, we got so many high schools and minor league teams. Um, I think that's important. And it's something that kind of um, binds us as a community. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I think people really enjoy listening to that. Um, I know we're, we're running a little bit uh, late on time here, but I did want to ask if you had any advice for students who'd want to break into radio work or, or specifically PA announcing, what advice would you give them to, to break in and get started? I would say to approach anybody and everybody that needs PA work handled, you know, or if there's a radio station, especially in a radio station, go and apply uh, for a board operator position and tell them you will do anything that is available and be honest about that and be true to that as well. Uh, there are several people I've seen come through radio stations over the years that, uh, that started out as board ops, but then would do anything asked. And now, you know, um, the, the, in fact, there was a kid in Bluffton the year that I did the show down in Bluffton. His name is Robert Connett. And he was, uh, he used to have to be driven to the station by his parents because he was only 14. Wow. But yet wow. he produced my show and was my co-host. And then he got a job at Federated Media, did the same, went to Norwell High School, took the TCOM. He went TCOM in, uh, it, it, I think it was Ball State, and then put his name out there. And now I believe he is doing uh, work for North, University of North Carolina, and, uh, you know, he's, he's 
once again, started out in, in some of these sports that, uh, that aren't the biggest revenue producers, but now he's getting into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a gentleman by the name of DC Hendricks. It, uh, it, he was at Federated Media for quite some time. Um, he came in and just applied. And, and I told him, I said, just be available to do anything they ask. And he was. And he was right place, right time, because one of the co-hosts didn't show up one day. They asked him to fill in. He filled in. His co-host did such a great job. They went from there. But there's always, you know, um, as, as you know this so very well, Brandon, there, you know, there's podcasting that can be done. Uh, there, there's, you know, online web uh, hosting that you, you can, you know, that you can do hosting shows and things of this nature that uh, you can cut your, you know, broadcasting and, and, and radio host uh, teeth that way too so uh, but there's a lot but just be prepared and be available for anything that's put in front of you even if it doesn't seem real glamorous right now and oftentimes it isn't but it you know I've, I've been doing talking sports in January it'll be 16 years and sometimes I've had you know I have to be the salesperson because I have to buy the time from federated media each and every week and I have to get sponsorship that will cover that. Um, but, you know, I, so I'm the salesperson, but I'm also, you know, content creator. And I always, you know, I, I look to you then, you know, if, if you have any content, if you have any people that, uh, that you would be interesting, uh, add to the show as well. So, I mean, you know, we, we work well together and I, I, I love the fact that, that, uh, you know, you've, uh, you've been able to just uh, adjust your schedule to be available. That's great. So, uh, but yeah, there's uh, just be prepared and, and be willing to do anything asked of you. Well, I, I don't know if we have the best show, but certainly I, I think we have the most fun. I, I have a blast doing it every Saturday morning and uh, we got the best hair in the station as far as oh, I'm concerned. Do. So, we do. Um, but he is uh, Jim Shevlin. You can check him out on Saturdays, 1380 AM, the fan here in Northeast Indiana. You can check him out on Twitter at talking sports, T A L K I N S P R T S no O. 1380, the voice of the Indiana Tech Warriors basketball, the voice of um, the Cougar, uh, University of St. Francis Cougars. I'm sure I'm missing something there, but uh, if you're in Fort Wayne for any amount of time, you will run into Jim. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. um, but Jim, thank you so much for joining us today. I uh, appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity, Brandon. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We will take a break over the holidays, but be sure to check out our social media pages for our next guest in mid-January. As always, we'd like to say a special thank you to producer Josh Hornbacher for his work behind the scenes. This is the Center for Sports Studies podcast, broadcasting from the Trine Broadcasting Network. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the Center for Sports Studies podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star rating if you like what you heard. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit trine.edu. Also, be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TrineCSS, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.